Thank you for listening to Truth in Life, a concise Christian belief series. This class was taught on a Sunday morning at Christ the Word Church because we believe that God's Word is truth and that His truth should shape our lives. For more information on our church, visit ChristTheWord.com. Okay, so that's the next six weeks. If you can see that print, that's the best you're going to get. So uh, there's no fixing it the way this is set up. So uh, that's one thing. Um, So today we're going to spend some time on trying to get our minds wrapped around what eternity is. Uh, I've spent about 40 years of my life thinking about this, believe it or not. Um, uh, what the eternal blessings to God people consist of, uh, what do we know about heaven, what will we do in heaven, the reality of a literal heaven. So this is not exhaustive. Uh, I know a lot of you are looking at your, your handouts. Um, I want to talk about the framework here. I don't know that the handouts for during class is going to be particular, particularly helpful to you, I think it'll be a good supplement afterwards. Um, that's just the way I set this up. Other classes, I think they're, they're great for following along. You can, uh, I think a couple of sessions I asked to withhold those. I asked the team leader to withhold those so I can have your full attention. But if you're trying to follow along, it's not always going to. This is meant to be more of a supplement. Okay, so I tell my wife, and she would agree, I have three thoughts per year. I just have three thoughts. <laughs> Impressive, right, Mr. James? <laughs> so I think about usually two or three topics, um, and I just, the whole year I think about these things. Um, for the next six weeks, I kind of want you to have that format. I want you to think about eternity. Uh, I'm sure all of you have thought about it in some form, but my main focus is to get you really to think about one or two topics this year, this next six weeks. Uh, I don't, that's why I'm not going to go through things on memorization. There's a bunch of things we're going to fly through that you will think is important. I'm sure it is, but for this class, um, uh, hi there. For this class, it's, um, it's not that important. Come on up front, everybody. Come on up front, Cheryl. Wotalas, <laughs> come up front. It's, you're, you're not going to be able to see this. Um, yeah, there's smaller print there, Cheryl. <laughs> okay. So I told you I've been thinking about this for a while. And how do you grasp eternity. How do you grasp something that is infinite in time? So as a kid, this fascinated me. And so I want to walk you through one of these that the last class thought was very helpful. Just as an illustration to for us to start thinking about how long is eternity? We're all living our lives for eternity, uh, anticipating it for the, for the Lord, but how long is eternity? Anybody thought about this with much depth? 
This side has not. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think I was eight or nine years old, and I took a trip up to Traverse City, Michigan. A lot of you are familiar with that. That's places famous for its sand dunes uh, along Lake Michigan. And so we would play in the sand dunes, and I would play with the handful of sand. You ever done that at a beach? And I was just amazed to look. And, you know, I'd let, 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 the, let the sand fall, and I would steal just the residue, just the, the, the leftover, to try even count the number of grains. <coughs> ever try to do that? Again, this, is, this setup is important. So I'd count and I'd count, and just, just what fell, uh, what was left after falling, I mean, tens of thousands of grains of sand. Okay, so I'm thinking, man, that's just, how much is that? So then I thought about the concept of something never ending. So in my mind, I thought about, what if I were able to take one grain of sand, and I, I was able to live healthy forever, for as long as possible. And my job was to take one grain of sand, one at a time, walk it to the moon, 240-something thousand miles away. Again, just bear with me on this. Walk it there, walk it back. Okay, pick up another one. Long time, right? But it's doable. At an average rate of, of walk, about three, about, um, about 11, 11 years to go there and back. So by the time I'm picking up my third grain of sand, I'm in my 60s. Again, work with me on this. So I keep doing it, picking up the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. I'm into my hundreds. Tenth, I'm into my 200s. At some point, you would agree that there is an end. Eventually, if, you know, as I live long enough, that, that amount I held in my hand, eventually, I would pick up that last one. And at this point, I would be tens of thousands of years old. But it has a stop. Older than the, what we know as the world right now, that would end. That's one handful. Have you been to a beach? Have you been to Traverse City? Well, okay, take that. Now I get to take another handful. Same process. Another handful, same process, hundreds of thousands of years now, I'm still taking grains of sand. You, the whole point I'm trying to say is eventually I will finish each of those handfuls. Again, I'm trying to get our minds wrapped around something that has no end, and as Christians... It's important for us to do this. This is just Traverse City. This is just one sand dune. 
But again, eventually, I would pick up every single grain of sand in that sand dune. And it's just Traverse City. One city in one county in one state in the United States, one of however many countries. The point is, after all that time and work, eventually I put that last grain of sand of all created sand, eventually that ends. And guess what? What does that have to do with eternity? It just began. So our lives as Christians, as Scripture tells us, maybe with good effort we live into our 80s and past. It's good to contemplate the reality of heaven, the reality of eternity for today's session, uh, for heaven. But we have to start on this thinking about how long is eternity. Can't be, you know, good Christians and be poof, that's eternity, that's... That's kind of this ethereal, you know, thing you're just grabbing at that I believe in. <clears throat> eternity doesn't end. And for God's people, it's eternal bliss with God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with His people. See, doesn't that want to make you sit closer together? You're going to be together for all that time. <laughs> Oh, wow, you are harder than the first class. <laughs> oh, you'll warm to me. Okay, so there is theology in this class. Theology is a good discipline, a science. It's the queen of sciences. Uh, talk about kind of two, two different things that, that are grouped, how to, how to look at eternity or, or approaching eternity. So we have, first, it's called the intermediate state. Um, this is, this is before the final judgment. It's, uh, so we'll talk about this a little bit. It is different between believers and unbelievers. And what we do know plainly from scripture is after death, God's people immediately go to be with Christ. So we know that. Uh, there's some proof texts. Jesus said, assuredly, as I say, today you will be with me in paradise. That's to the thief on the cross. Uh, this classic text from 2 Corinthians, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So we know that immediately God's people go to be with him. Okay, we're going to get back to that in a second, but there are, we want to talk about two opposing views to uh, this intermediate state. Um, and one of them comes from our Catholic friends. Purgatory. Anybody spent any amount of time looking into this? No? Okay. Um, I said Catholic friends. Anytime I talk about, through the next six weeks, Think about the Catholic inside of you. Anytime we hear of a Catholic thing, it usually has something that we probably believe something inside. So purgatory, uh, we all, we've heard about this. This is 
this is the idea brought forth by the Roman Catholic Church in the 1400s. And it's, it's this approach that says your righteousness or worthiness to enter heaven is based upon a period of time where God purges, purges you in purgatory. Um, I absolutely no, no context for this in Scripture, nothing whatsoever. So, Catholics do believe this. And it is, the reason I'm bringing it up is it isn't a distinctly Catholic thing. It's immediately when you hear this stuff, you should think about your own life. Ever think about you're not worthy? Ever think about after you sin? Sometimes you want, you want to just go through some sort of pain. You don't want to just rely on Christ's righteousness. You want to go through some pain, and then, then it's very common. But this is not scripturally based. So let me read this last bullet point. Catholics believe that some people retain a stain. So they're not denying sin on their souls for sins that they have committed <clears throat> and even ask for forgiveness. When they die, according to their teaching, the stain remains on their immortal, immortal souls. And those whose stained souls are not considered worthy of eternal torment in hell must, um, must be cleaned. So, again, in the Catholic, not just Catholic view, almost everybody, except a uh, few saints, have to go through this purgatory. And it is absolutely false. What's why is this wrong? What fundamentally is wrong with this? Now, now you can interact, other than your facial reactions, which I see them all, by the way, all of them. Jonathan. Right. 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 It is the fundamental uh, attack of all creation. Is that Christ's work was not fully effective to save us. So when you think about purgatory, don't be scandalized that I'm talking about the Catholics. Remember, the Catholic in us. The errors in us that we listen to. <clears throat> All right. Um, that's what I was talking about. Is there another form of purgatory that you subscribe to? already kind of talked about that. Soul sleep. Have you ever heard of soul sleep? This is a second major error. Anybody know what it is, other than through reading it? Kind of self-descriptive. So this is the view that when you die, you pretty much fall asleep. You're totally not communicative with anything else. You just wait until the... <clears throat> Wait until the, um, the, the judgment, which is also not true. I'm going to move for, uh, some of these things you have on your, your handout. Um, have you thought about this? Does that scandalize anybody? Am I the only one that that immediately bothers?
Okay, it bothers you or you have a question? It bothers me, but I don't think it's as awful as it bothers you. Because I don't understand. That I'd probably agree with. <laughs> knowing myself, AJ, knowing myself. Okay, it's meant to be provocative, but it's meant to get us to deal with Scripture, too. So, again, my mindset is we're good evangelicals, we've been taught a bunch of stuff, but as a group, we probably haven't thought about it deep enough. And I'm just using myself in these things that this would immediately bother me if I read this from somebody else. So, yes, I am provoking you, but it is also... Can you read that out loud? The, the verse? Yeah. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? When a white, then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be, who would be killed as they were, was completed. All right. Was that the one you were thinking of, AJ? <laughs> okay. So, again, there's this, what I want to talk about, of course, Scripture talks about the saints are perfected um, once they reach glory, but there is also, God tells us, this, this still this longing for, um, for, for justice to take, take place. So, um, all right. That's the intermediate state. Let's jump into the eternal state. So this is... Uh, heading into the judgment and then afterwards, the, the day of judgment. So some of this I'll just read for you and is repetitive. So Christ returns and bring, brings his saints with him. So all aware of that. There's some proof texts. Um, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And also Jude, Jude uh, that's not 14. There's not 14 chapters in Jude. It's one ver chapter, right? And four verse 14, yeah. Um, we know that believers uh, will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord. For those who aren't already, um, already there. And then we have the final judgment. So these are the classic steps that we know. This final judgment does include both believers and unbelievers. And those, are, those verses should be in your handout. What does the final judgment look like? Um, we'll set up here. Truly, these, time, uh, these times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. All men. Then I saw a great right throne and him who sat on it, and from those whose face the earth and heaven fled away. So they're scared. And there is found no place for them. And I saw the dead and small and great standing before God, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up their dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in, were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. So, this is about the eternal state, the final judgment. This is uh, from Westminster Confession of Faith, a good, succinct summary of this. I'll read this one as well. 
God has appointed a day wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ, to whom all power and judgment is given of the Father, in which day not only the apostate angels shall be judged, but likewise all persons that have lived upon earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ, to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds, and to receive according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil, it includes both believers and unbelievers. Um, this is just another proof text for believers and unbelievers. Um, I want to move forward for the sake of time. Because this is about heaven. There is no more condemnation for you. This is one of the great longings of Christians. That there is no more sin and there's no more condemnation. He who believes in him is not condemned. The condemnation is for whom? The wicked. Those who have not believed on the Son of God. You all know we receive new bodies. New bodies. There will be lots of feasting. And the primary being the marriage supper of the Lamb. So again, I said I'm going through some of these uh, fairly quickly. You will be able to travel through the city, this city with streets of gold, with the tree of life that bears all sorts of fruit, all seasons long, all months long. Uh, more descriptive of what heaven will look like, heaven looks like. Okay. There's no marrying or giving into marriage. Do you like that? Okay, I'm coming over here. This side is really non-communicative. <laughs> I'm going to look over here. Does this bother you? Be honest, people. Come on. Huh? This is a good thing in my life. I maybe to some degree. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, I think it's important to acknowledge that. As a kid, I remember being, again, very young, and this bothered me. Again, part of it has to do with the sanctification needed in my mind. But this is all, all of this is pointing to the focus in heaven. The focus that we are not right now fully appreciating the focus on worshiping Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to finish here in a second. But that's, God gives us marriage here to be a, hopefully a, a decent picture. But the marriage is with the church and Jesus Christ. And I think that bothers me. I'll get to you, Jonathan, in just a second. Part of that that bothers me is why don't I fully long for that? And it it's an indictment against me and my view of worship. Jonathan. No, I mean, that's where I was going. It's something that ties me to earth. Right. right. Mm -hmm. I have my focus, my energy, my attention, and I feel like it's a, I don't want to say a distraction, but it's keeping me from focusing on eternity. Right. And, and yet, 
for marriage, it's all the more responsibility that we speak honestly about what's coming. And that's obeying God in our commands as husband and wife. But again, what I'm trying to do is stick our nose in some of this and not just blithely go along, read scripture and say, yeah, 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 I believe that, no condemnation. Yeah, 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 I believe in eternity. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I believe it's going to be great, but we don't interact with these things that I guarantee you, if you felt more comfortable, at least half of you would raise your hand and say, that bothers me. Does that make you feel better? Yeah. Yeah. Scripture's not threatened by our reaction. Heaven is incomprehensibly good for those who love God. Well, that's not a good statement, Jordan. That's not helpful as a teacher. Well, if it's incomprehensible, why are you trying to get us to comprehend it? (laughs) So Scripture says, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the, have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This is the tool that God gives us. He says, I'm going to describe it, good Christian, but even that, you, have no, you haven't comprehended it yet, what I have prepared for you. Like, that's, that is awesome. That is the true definition of awesome. I've given you a flavor. Hold on, son. Hold on, daughter. Okay, it is a place where our worship will be perfect. I want to talk with you now and try and get stick our nose in this a little bit more. And I'm not, I'm not going to use your examples. I'm going to use my examples. So, this... Uh, event in my life will always stick with me and was really the the fulcrum, the the point in which my view of worship changed. Uh, So can I have your attention? Um, So this is about 15 years ago, and I was invited to an Ohio State-Michigan football game at University of Michigan. Anybody ever been there? It's from a human spectacle, it's, it's amazing. Just throngs and throngs of people that aren't even at the stadium. And this is a time when I think Michigan and Ohio State were like one and two, so. Um, and there's 110,000 people. And have you ever been in a stadium that loud? If you ever have this opportunity, I mean, Clemson has it, but it's, it's much quieter in Clemson, right? They're not as fanatical. <laughs> Justin? <laughs> it's deafening. Go. You'll see a picture, a slight picture of what heaven is. Well, what? It is so loud. There's no other human experience that gives you a sense of fanatical worship. Now, of course, they're worshiping the wrong thing in sin and in purity. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm doing things that I don't do here in worship. 
and it struck me. I'm doing this for fallen men wearing equipment, wearing tights, fighting over this dead animal. And as you laugh, that's exactly what I thought. And there's 110,000 people else who's doing it. And my soul was crushed. I'm not going to do that again. Heaven, the Lamb of God, the living animal, the Lamb of God, who paid for this eternal bliss that I get to have, forgiveness of sin, taking my condemnation for all of eternity. That's who I'm going to be with eternity. I will never worship some man like this. And it, it was very helpful. And it helped me to see just a little bit better. I'm not there yet, okay? But it is always in my mind when I'm practicing. You all should see Sunday mornings as a form of heaven. It's practice for heaven. J.C. Ryle, one of the things I'll never forget, he talks about the, the worship of God's people is practice for heaven. Anybody else remember another thing that he said, Ryle, that is, that's very provocative? Maybe some of you haven't, haven't heard it or weren't with us, Kevin? Will you even enjoy it? He says that, say, I think that rocked a bunch of us. Ryle, in talking about, in his book, Holiness, he talks about what heaven is going to be like, far more descriptive than I have. And he asks, said, will some of you even enjoy it? Heaven, see, this is why it's so important to be honest and say, Ah, why don't I like this part about there's no giving into marriage? It provokes good things. Well, it's because we're, you know, we're, we're married to the Lamb. Right, 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 right. Well, what's the point of that? Worship, worship, worship for eternity. Grain of sand, how long that takes? You finally take care of uh, Traverse City? Your worship of the pure Lamb of God has only begun. Will you enjoy it? Will I enjoy it? Of course, we know and have been comforted. The Christians have been comforted for millennium. No more suffering. So for the Christian life, we're engaged in suffering. It isn't just that we lose people. We lose people to death, but the Christian life is suffering. Aren't you encouraged? Young people, <laughs> it is. You ask the saints of old, and they would never take another life, never exchange their life. For the life that they had for suffering. Again, maybe 80 years, maybe 90 years, 100 years. 
and then he will wipe away every tear from your eye. Death won't be in existence. There'll be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The former things have passed away. What do we know about heaven? The throne of God is the focus. Let me read this for you. Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, through the middle of the streets of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding each fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp of sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The throne of God for eternity is the focus. Does that sound enjoyable? Does it sound a little more enjoyable now than when we started? <laughs> right, I reach our... Uh... Oh boy, I got to move on. Okay, so have any of you heard the classic three questions about eternity? Some of you have, I'm just phrasing it different. There's, I'm going to give you two of them and then we're going to finish with the third. When, we re, when we're there to witness who's in glory in heaven, we will be surprised who is there. You know, in this life, we make judgments, and Scripture gives us m many of those um, evidences we look for. But you, family of God, you think about, will my, will my neighbor to the right of me, to the left of me, to the front of me, to the back of me, look around? Look around. Will you be there? You should be thinking this way. If you love God's people, if you love people, you should be asking this question. And there will be a surprise who's there. And this is the classic verse that calls us to this, is Matthew 25. I'm going in the middle. Then the king will say to those on the right, remember he's judging those on the right and the left. He says, then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. There is a surprise for the people of God. This should cause us to reform our thinking about assurances, where it's placed, where it's not placed. I'll get to that over the course of the next five years. I know some of you struggle with assurance. The righteous, so the righteous, this is the, the righteous person's re, uh, reply, as God has defined. When did I do this? This isn't like a theater, like, 
or court. Well, it is actually a court, but it isn't one where you're trying to fool. The Christian in his righteousness says, when did I do this? This isn't a false humility. This is unawareness that they did this. Well, Jordan, that's your opinion. No. <laughs> no, it's not. My... Isn't this comforting? Truly I say, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Okay, we also will be surprised who's not there. Have you thought about that? Parents? People who still have family members alive? That Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. You see this misplaced confidence. This is the second. The ones who had confidence in what they did. As I get older as I interact with these two surprises, I am more and more confident of one thing. That Jesus Christ, the one who I am going to worship for all of eternity, is my only righteousness. Everything else gets stripped away. And that is a part of sanctification and part of what should happen when we worship we should become so unaware of ourselves and so full of gratitude to the Lamb of God. That's what we're doing for all of eternity. Practice. Don't give a rip about what other people think. Worship God. Practice for all of eternity. So two surprises. I have to move on. This is in your, uh, your handout. You'll see God face to face. Worship. You'll attend the supper of the Lamb. You will receive an inheritance. You will reign with Christ forever and ever. Don't you know you're going to judge angels? We'll have to get to this part next week. But the philosopher Immanuel Kant, uh, not a Christian guy, even though he had a great first name, uh, very famous guy, he opines, he gives the long, famous uh, scholarly work on saying it is wrong to do things with the motivation of reward. We're going to have to pick this up later, but... Yeah, don't read your handouts if we're going to pick it up next week. Right? Um, scripture would wholeheartedly disagree with him, so 
this is that text from Holiness from Ryle that I already talked about. Okay. Um, the third surprise. What's the third surprise? Christian who is laboring, suffering, fighting sin, living for God, but still, still being sanctified. What's the third surprise when you die? That you are there, that I'm there. Well, Jordan, that's just because you don't have great strong assurance. No, this is from centuries-old Puritans. This is the three, these are the three questions that's been affirmed over the years. Very helpful. It shouldn't, un, it shouldn't cause you to have lack of confidence in Jesus Christ. It should point you to Jesus Christ as your sole hope and no confidence in yourself. This is the path of the Christian. There's no way around it. This is the path. So that when we reach that day, when we are done practicing, when I say practice, I don't mean it's not genuine. I'm just saying imperfection in glory, worshiping God. So I'm asking you now, and be better than the first group, okay? You're all competitive, right? Mr. James, you're, more, you're competitive, right? You played basketball at a high level, right? <laughs> Okay, be better than the first group. They didn't do this. The punks. I want you to contemplate. I want you to think on your own a different analogy, something where you are wrestling with trying to understand eternity from length of time. I gave you one that worked for me. But I want you wrestling with this one idea. Remember that's how I started? I have three thoughts per year. I didn't say they were good. Three thoughts. I want you wrestling with this so that it sticks with you. And you remember this after six weeks of class. It isn't about me teaching. It isn't about you being students. This is about the worship of Jesus Christ. Think about eternity, and it will help all the next classes fit into this. Number two, to help it stick with you, talk with somebody. Please, even if it's five minutes, wrestle with this with somebody else. From a pedagogy standpoint, and I'm done in 10 seconds, when you talk with somebody else, you are interacting with it, it has a greater potential of sticking with you. So, and I'm out of breath. Drew, would you close us in prayer? Thank you for listening to Truth in Life. If you enjoy this series, make sure to subscribe. And remember, this is truth to live by.